Among us, I'm your guide, Derek Hayes. Well, folks, we've completed seven circles around the sun, so we shouldn't be all that surprised to find ourselves right back where we started. A pleasant evening to you and all on this darkened October evening. Now, per usual, I have a number of terrifying and titillating tales to share with you this evening tales of ghostly activity. Strange lights in the sky, odd creatures here on Earth, and a brief entry about three unusual men that move in unison. But more on that here in a little bit. First, let's set the scene with this eerie entry from an anonymous caller. Hello, Derek. I'm going to keep my name anonymous. Anyway, this happened yesterday night at about midnight me and my brother were just coming home from watching a movie this happened on the utah wyoming border we was coming home from the movie it was about 12 o'clock at night the sky was clear it was a full moon i mean it was just bright i mean it was a beautiful night anyway we were driving down the road this wasn't the freeway this was a, a back road to utah and in the distance about two miles in the sky, just out of nowhere, come flying down this big burning ball. It looked like the shape of a, like as round as a tennis ball, but it was, I mean, it was 10 times bigger. And it was just come hurtling towards the earth. And it was on fire, it was orange, and there was some white flames coming around the back out of it. And it just flew right to the earth and it hit the ground. And so we looked at each other. We said, did you just see that? And he's like, yeah, I just seen that. So we drove up about the next mile and off to the left in the road about 300 yards into a field is a massive ball of burning something. I mean, it, it, I don't know what it was. It was burning. Anyway, we parked the truck and we finally worked ourselves up to running down there and seeing what it was. So it's still on fire. I mean, it's roaring. And about the time it took us to talk our, both of us into doing it, it kind of died down a little bit, but was still roaring pretty good. And so we walked down to it and we got about 50 feet from it. And then all of a sudden my brother stopped and he could hear whispering like people or something talking and there's nobody. I mean, it's flat. And he yelled, hello, nobody answered. I mean, there's no foot tracks going to it or from it. He said he heard whispering and I'm like, oh no, you're just paranoid. Anyway, we walk about 10 more steps and we're about 40 feet from it. And I swear I could hear somebody talking. And so we both stopped and he looked at me and he says, you just hear that? I was like, yeah, it sounds like somebody's talking. And we immediately just got so scared. So I whipped out my phone and I videoed like four seconds of it. We didn't want to get any closer to it. And then it was the weirdest thing. We just started hearing dogs barking and there's nobody that lives out here. And so we just turned off and started running. It was weird how it turned from people whispering to like a weird bark it's hard to explain i don't know how it matches up but i mean it was so weird so we turned off we just started running back to the truck as fast as we could and the barking happened for like two seconds and then it stopped and it was completely dead silence the weirdest silence i mean it, it was so weird and so we just ran back we got in the truck and i was able to get three or four seconds long video of us just walking up on it but we have not gone back since, and I'm thinking about going back and just seeing what it was because, I mean, we're just so scared. We were so scared. We didn't want to see it look any more than, than we already was. So, yeah, no, uh, I'll send you the video. Let me know 
Thanks, Derek. Thank you, caller. Ooh, yeah. That's a mystery I can certainly sink my teeth into. But let's start with the obvious here. Our caller mentioned that it was a full moon, so I looked it up. On December 21st, 2021, the night of the experience, and also the winter solstice, I might add, the moon was actually not full. But it was in its first day of waiting gibbous, which means it was full just the day before. So I'm going to say that falls within the margin of error, and certainly checks out. Now as for the location... I don't have enough information to lock down exactly where this took place. But based on what little clues I could dig up, my best guess is the Evanston, Wyoming area. I mostly came to that determination based on the fact that it has one of the only movie theaters found within miles of the Utah-Wyoming border. A location I've actually received a few written reports about over the years concerning other aerial anomalies but nothing near the scale of our caller's entry. A UFO crash and close inspection of the downed craft. That's almost unheard of outside of Kecksburg, Roswell, or maybe the Lonnie Zamora case. But more so than those three infamous run-ins, there's one that is even more reminiscent of this call. A case later known as Canada's Roswell. The Falcon Lake incident of May 20th. 1967. And one of the most interesting happened in Manitoba and Falcon Lake, 1967, when an amateur prospector uh, had said that he encountered a, a bright flying saucer shaped object, for lack of any other description, which appeared to land on a flat rock near him. He was in a very rugged, uh, remote area. And he walked up to this object, managed to touch the side, and a blast of hot gas came from this as it took off, set his clothes on fire, set fire to pine needles and leaves, and then took off. And this fellow was treated in hospital. Uh, it was The case was investigated by the RCMP, by the Royal Canadian Air Force, even the United States Air Force came up to try and understand what was going on. And the RCMP and RCAF both said they had no explanation for what was found. And uh, there was radiation at the site. There were pieces of molten metal found at the site. And we have all the documentation to attest to this. Uh, even the Royal Canadian Mint made a coin to commemorate this unique event in Canadian history. Now that was Canadian ufologist and author Chris Rokowski, courtesy of Global Winnipeg. And I know what you might be thinking right now. How do these two stories sound at all similar outside of the crashed craft? Well, to make that comparison... We need to hear about the Falcon Lake incident in the experiencer's own words. And thankfully, I have that here for you tonight. The following is Stephen Mikulak's first-hand account, courtesy of the original Unsolved Mysteries. Looking on the tree, I notice two cigarette-like shape things with the hump in the middle. I said, what the hell is that? One stay in the air, and the other one is coming down, down, down. I start looking for marks. I never see NASA or something written on it, no. Nothing, I didn't see anything on it. But still I was thinking that probably experimenting from United States. When the gate opened, there was a kind of shrieky talk like a, like a kid's in problem or something. Thinking of USA, I said, okay, Yankee boys, a Yankee boy. seems to me you are in trouble. Boy. You got troubles, I'll help you. Now, after trying to communicate with the downed craft for several minutes in several different languages, Mikulak gave up, but not before the object spun around and burned him with some sort of flammable gas. After igniting with the fire, the craft lifts up 30 to 40 feet and vanished. 
And then I decided, so I said, now is the time for me to buzz off from here, go out. So I started going. Now as for that comparison, both craft came to rest in view of the witness. Both witnesses approached the vehicle. Both heard noises from within the strange object. Now Mikulak never knew the truth behind his encounter. He passed away some years ago. But let's hope our caller has some better luck. Oh, and as for that short video that our caller referenced, well, you won't believe this, but we actually do have that clip available. Head on over to our show notes at monstersamonguspodcast.com forward slash show notes, or just click that show notes tab and take a look. But essentially, it's what he described, some sort of burning object in a field of snow. A huge thanks to the caller for not only calling in and sharing that incredible tale, but for sending in the video footage as well. Now this next one is hauntingly good. Please join me in welcoming Liz to the program. Hi Derek, my name is Liz. This happened in Minneapolis, Minnesota when I was about five years old. I say approximately 1970. My family and I went to visit my great aunt Aga and Uncle Ben in a house on the other side of the city. I can't exactly remember, I was too small. We were all sitting in their small kitchen. They had a small one-story bungalow-type cottage with a small fenced yard. And we're just talking away like relatives do. And the kids and I were all sitting around the kitchen table and all of a sudden, we hear this booming set of footsteps. You could actually nearly see the ceiling shaking. Like someone was walking across from the living room to the kitchen up in the attic. And my Aunt Aga was terrified and she looked around and told my dad that this had happened many, many times since they had moved in. And they could not figure out what was going on. And my dad said, well, someone's up there. I'm going to go up there and kick their butt. And so he had my uncle. They were an elderly couple, mind you. So my uncle brought the stepladder. My dad got a flashlight. And we're all standing there transfixed because the entrance to the attic was in the kitchen. And my father pushed it up and he slid it over. And the footsteps, you could clearly hear someone pacing back and forth and a heavy stomping just crazy heavy and he turns on the flashlight and he looks around and we can all kind of see up there and my dad says there's nothing there's no one they didn't even have anything up there it was just dust and he said there's no footprints in the dust but you could still hear the footsteps coming towards my father and away from him and we just didn't know what to do and and so my father quickly closed the attic door and locked it and we put away the stuff and we all said prayers and I think it calmed things down because before my uncle passed about a year or two later I stayed with him for about oh two weeks and nothing happened the entire time well, I could probably fill several podcasts. I have seen zombies. I have seen Sasquatch. I have seen UFOs with like 10 other witnesses, but I'll let you go for now. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Thank you, Liz. You know, although I haven't experienced it in years, my sleep paralysis episodes would always be triggered by a dream with a similar story. The only difference is I played the role of Liz's father. And each time... I was never as lucky. A ghastly, ghoulish creature meets me face-to-face in my dreams. A figure that then begins to leak into our reality, our plane of existence. And at that point, my paralysis was triggered. But I'm certainly not suggesting that anything that took place in Liz's story has the explanation of sleep paralysis. Far from it, in fact. But a huge thanks to you, Liz for sharing the entry. I can't help but think that that one might be an instant classic. Now, if you too have a story you would like to share here on the show, 
Call the hotline at 1-888-608-NIGHT. That's 1-888-608-6444. Now this next one really hits home for me. Literally. Please welcome William from Montana to the program. Hi, my name is William. I'm from Montana. Well, I've been here for about four years. Originally, I was born in Southern California. So I'm currently living in Montana. I haven't seen anything crazy out here. One time I saw a UFO, but it was could have been in my imagination. But I was born in Southern California in the city of Riverside. When I was about five years old, we moved to this place called Lucerne Valley. And it's right below Big Bear, kind of in between Big Bear and Barstow. And there I lived for about 15 years. Well, the place I grew up in was pretty haunted. A lot of weird stuff happened there. Maybe I'll call back and talk about that at a later time. I'm going to talk about one time where I saw a UFO. So it was the weekend. I know it was a weekend because it was school. I was about 14 years old. And my family was ready to get out and go mudding in a place called Deep Creek, go off-roading. So my friend was there, and before we left, we thought we'd be able to go fishing. So my friend bought double fishing poles and a tackle box. And we were standing out in the driveway, and he was getting his gear ready, uh, getting a hook on his fishing pole and stuff like that. And we're standing in the driveway. It's probably about 12 in the afternoon. It's a hot summer day, and there there's no clouds clear sky pretty much all the time. We're getting the tackle box ready and he looked up and he looked out towards the mountain because from where my house was, Big Bear Mountain, the mountain ridge was right to our left and we could see it pretty much all the time. So he looked to the left and he saw the uh, UFO. He told me to look at it and I looked over and he's like, check it out. I looked over to my left and there was this bronze disc, probably about maybe 100 feet wide it was just bronze or copper in color. And on the top of it, it had a dome that was just the same color, like a solid sheet of metal. And this thing was maybe a mile, could have been more than a mile away. And I was kind of following the ridge line of the mountain. Because I lived on the slope of the mountain, so at the bottom of the mountain was kind of sloped down. So I could see the bronze disc, and it was not very high. It wasn't very far, and it glimmered in the sun. It was bronze and metal. So you can see there were uh, like reflections and stuff like that. And it just kind of floated there. There was no sound or anything like that. And it was just kind of cruising, not going very fast at all. Cruising by, going going down the mountain line, the mountain ridge. It didn't go over the mountain. It just kept going. Well, we kept looking at it until we couldn't see it again. It was kind of weird. There's supposed to be a government base in that mountain. That kind of is a hidden base. And I don't know if it was an alien UFO or if it was a government UFO. It's hard to tell. And you couldn't see anybody inside of it. It was just a metal disc that was building. So, yeah, thank you for uh, listening and uh, giving. Thanks. Bye. Thank you, William. You know, it doesn't really hit home. Though the Lucerne Valley and Big Bear are both considered, quote-unquote, in the area. I could probably drive to each in less than an hour. No, I said it hit home because of their final destination. Deep Creek is dangerously close to my cabin and Monsters Among Us headquarters, which coincidentally are the same place. But in all seriousness, Deep Creek is like a mile or so from our house. But you know, this area is sandwiched between Edwards, March, and Los Angeles Air Force bases, among other military installments so it's no surprise to see something strange in the skies around here. Though the question becomes, how much of what we see is actually ours? Thanks again, William, for the entry. Now, if you happen to have any hometown legends from this area, I would love to hear them. It seems that mum's the word on monsters, ghosts, and aliens up here. And what a boring way to live. Now, if you're anything like Sarah and I, you get bored with the same meal rotation when cooking at home. Well, Green Chef helps us keep dinner interesting with plenty of premium, balanced recipes that not only taste great, 
but they save us time on busy weeknights. And Green Chef just expanded their menu from 24 to 30 recipe choices weekly, with the option to mix and match meals from different preferences. You can toss a vegetarian, vegan, or keto option into the mix if you want, or accommodate everyone in your household's dietary requirements. We find Green Chef makes it easier for us to eat healthier meals at home without sacrificing that flavor. And the pre-measured ingredients help us cut down on food waste. Now, Green Chef is offering Monsters Among Us listeners an awesome deal. Go to greenchef.com forward slash Monsters Among Us 135 and use code Monsters Among Us 135 to get $135 off across five boxes. And your first box ships free. That's greenchef.com forward slash Monsters Among Us 135 with code Monsters Among Us 135 for $135 off across five boxes, plus free shipping on that first box. Now, as always, supporting our sponsors supports the show. So thank you for listening. Now back to that object that just moved by itself. And you know, speaking of the military, our next entry comes to us from just that. Jeremy in Kentucky, thank you for your service and welcome to the program. What's going on, Derek? This is Jeremy from Berea, Kentucky. I have a crazy story that happened when I was uh, deployed to Iraq, 2008-2009. I was at uh, Al-Assad Air Base, and in the middle of it, there was a soccer stadium, like just gigantic soccer stadium. And this is where Saddam had one of his soccer teams executed for losing a match. There's not much into that. They lost a match, and he killed them. So I was walking home late one night from the MWR building, checking my email, calling home, all the good stuff. And where the path that took us back to our our living area, you had to cross by the stadium. Well, this is probably two in the morning. And nobody's supposed to be on the stadium, you know, past 9 p.m. because that's where a lot of the vendors would set up their shops and, you know, all sorts of activities would happen. So anyway, I'm walking and I'm just, you know, going about my merry way. And all of a sudden, out of the corner of my eye, I just see movement on the field and of course I'm deployed I'm on high alert I'm like hey no one's supposed to be on there and I look and I just see these whiffs or I don't, really don't know what to call them the smoke pillars and it was the craziest thing and of course I stop and I get a better look and all of a sudden in a blink of an eye this shape just appears right in front of me and I just beat feet right back to the living area I could have 100% easily passed my PT test that day I have no idea what it was I can only gather that it may have been Saddam's team. I have no idea. But uh, if you have, you know, any insight or know of any other callers that have any similar stories, I would love to know about it. Love the podcast. Keep doing. And uh, have a good day. Bye. Thanks, Jeremy. Now I need to make a quick correction here. Or maybe it's a clarification. But as far as I could find... There is no evidence that Saddam Hussein executed a soccer team for losing. But, I did find a mountain of evidence proving that his son, and overseer of all Iraqi sports, Uday Hussein, imprisoned and tortured players for mistakes made on the field. Pitch or green, whatever they call it. In fact, medieval torture devices were even found in the stadium by FIFA investigators. Now, I'm not going to go into all the detail... But like all other media used in this and every episode, you can find a link to more information in the show notes. Now, just because I couldn't find it on Google doesn't mean that it didn't happen. I'm sure Jeremy has a lot more information about that area than I do. But I feel it's important that I state I couldn't find any evidence to support that claim. But that doesn't change what Jeremy saw that evening in Iraq so maybe there was some truth to the legend. Or maybe he saw the energy of games past. Or maybe it's just that it's a land of ancient culture, and places with that sort of history tend to showcase strange behavior. Or just maybe it was a sprinkler system. Whatever was responsible, we thank you again, Jeremy, for sending it in. So this next one from Kathy in Texas takes us to a trailer park of terror or something like that. Hey, Derek. 
This is Kathy. I live in Kerr County in Texas. There's a little place called Mountain Home. And I have crazy stories from a trailer park that I used to live in around the 90s. It was very weird. It's like the whole trailer park was like haunted or something. I was sitting in my room one time and I put my ear next to the window and I could hear my friends talking. And so I would go out and talk to them and I couldn't find them. And then I would go back into my room and then I would hear them talking at my window again. And then I told my friends about it and they told me that they were at the front of the entrance of the trailer park. We had a little ditch where we used to hang out. And they said they were there, but I I told them about what they were talking about. And they were like, that's weird. Like, that's what we were talking about. And that was one case that had happened. And then one one time it reminded me of the movie, The Poltergeist. My cousin, they lived in the trailer across from us. And my cousin would always end up outside at 3 a.m. And she was only four years old at the time. And my aunt was like, there's no way that she can get out. Like, we don't understand how she's getting out every night. The neighbors would say that she would come over and knock on their doors and sound like she was in a trance and she would be like, you know, can so-and-so come out and play? Can so-and-so come out and play? And they would be like, you know, it's too early for that. Like, it's 3 a.m. And they would grab her and then she would, like, faint. The first time it happened, they brought her to my aunt and my aunt was like, no, my daughter's in bed. And when she checked her room, she wasn't in there. And, of course, that was my cousin. And... We were all freaking out, like, how did she get outside? She's only four years old. And and we asked her about it, and she said that my aunt had gotten her dressed and put her shoes on, and my aunt had a really big bay window, and her kitchen table was by the bay window. And she said that they would get on top of the kitchen table and touch the window, and it would ripple, and she would walk outside. Her story never changed. She always said it exactly that way. And that really freaked us out. And then... We started hearing things in the TV and like giggles and we'd see handprints when the TV wasn't on. And then when you take a shower, you'd feel like someone's watching you. And then the most freakiest thing that happened to us, and we all saw it, was that my aunt, we would, sometimes we'd go to the house, like, you know, she lived right across the street from me. So if my dad wasn't home, I would go to her house. So I would knock on the door and I would always see my aunt. Like anybody who knocked on the door said that they could see her and she would hide. She would hide behind, she had like a little bar and she would hide behind the bar. And we would always like start screaming at her, like open the door. Like, why are you hiding behind the bar? Like, we don't understand. And her best friend lived next door to her on the right side. And so we would always be like, okay, well, I guess I'll just go tell her friend, you know, maybe she can get her to open the door. Like, what's the deal? And every time we would go over to her house and knock on the door, my aunt would open the door at her friend's house. So she was never home, and she would always be at her friend's house. But we would all tell her that we would see her in the house. And they'll put shivers down, like, all of our spines. And one time my aunt said, oh, my God, you you look white like you've seen a ghost. And we'd always tell her, like, yes, because we did. Like, you don't understand. Like, And so it, it happened and kept happening and, until, like, we moved. And finally it stopped. But that whole trailer park was haunted. Another time I stayed at one of my friend's house. And somebody was rummaging in the fridge. It was late at night. I was spending the night at my friend's house. And I had to get up to go pee. And I remember someone digging around in the fridge. But when they looked at me, they didn't look like they were human. Well, they did. They looked human, but there was like a black aura, I guess you could say, around them. It just was weird. And they looked at me with a sinister smile. Like, they kept looking at me trying to figure out if I saw them or not. And it really scared me because I knew that that person really wasn't there with that black aura around them. And it scared me. And so I pretended like I didn't see them. And I went back to bed and pretended like I didn't see them. And I stayed in bed until the next morning. I don't think I ever even told my friend about it. It really creeped me out. The trailer park had a lot of scary things happen. A lot of my friends used to say stuff too about paranormal experiences if you go there now that trailer park is no longer a trailer park it is a rv park because nobody's going to stay there long term and i kind of know why 
So, but if you're ever in Texas and around the Kerr County area, you can maybe look it up. All right. Uh, thanks, Derek. And I love your stories. This show is awesome. And it helps me when I work at night because I work graveyard shift. So I love to sit here and listen to the stories all night while I'm doing my job. Keep up the great work. Bye. Thank you, Kathy. Now let's cover this story one incident at a time. Firstly, her ability to hear her friends talking on the other side of the park. Super weird, right? Well, what if I told you that there's a simple, logical explanation? Many old parks, churches, and universities, especially back east, have a stone or masonry feature called a whispering wall. Now, as far as I can tell, these things were designed as gathering areas, places to study, read a book, have a picnic. But each one has a distinct shape, a slight bend like a banana, and it's that bend that gives it this infamous reputation. You see, I first learned about these strange features when my buddy Matt gave me a tour of Ohio State University, a place where he is still currently employed. Well, they happened to have a whispering wall outside the Wexler Center for the Arts, and he was kind enough to demonstrate how it worked. Now, essentially, if you whisper on one side of the wall, the sound will carry down the proverbial banana to the listener on the other side. Here is the phenomenon in action, accidentally achieved by a dam with similar curvature. Dave's going to run to the other side of this dam, which is pretty far, actually. Now you can hear his footsteps quite clearly. And it sounds like he's actually gotten closer to us. What's that? Well, I was just talking in the video that it actually sounded as if you're approaching us with your footsteps and your breathing. Yeah. And yet you were going farther away, so it was pretty neat. Can you see me anywhere? Yep. Just let me zoom in on you, though. All right. That was pretty neat. It is. I mean, I'm not yelling. You're not yelling. It's just normal, regular voice. It sounds like you're just sort of coming out of the wall. That's exactly what it sounds like. like it sounds like you're about four or five feet in front of me. Yep. That is really it cool. Bounce along the wall the whole way across. I guess it does. Now that clip courtesy of David Cooper over at YouTube. And believe it or not, the man you can hear in that video was at least 100 yards from the camera. Yet the sound carried perfectly. So I tell you all that to say this. The hillside my house is built on sort of replicates this effect naturally. I can hear all the goings on the house on the opposite bend from me and I assume every sound made over here can be heard there as well and if you recall Kathy mentioned her friends were playing in a ditch alongside the trailer court now if that ditch followed a similar bend one could then assume that it would allow the voices of her friends to carry all the way to her in yet another example of a natural whispering wall but again having not been there I cannot say that's definitively what happened, but it certainly sounds like a great guess to me. Now, the rest of the story is exactly as Kathy said it was. Very poltergeist-esque, all except for that detail about passing through a rippling window. I've heard that claimed before, but in the context of an alien abduction case. I suppose the same could be said for the strange sleepwalking experiences that she also reported. But I have to say, the ant's doppelganger hiding in the house has to be one of the creepiest details I've heard in a long, long while. It's truly terrifying stuff. And we can't thank you enough, Kathy, for sharing it with us. Now, earlier in the broadcast, I made a promise to deliver on another installment from our old friends, the Mirrored Men. And here to help me deliver is John from the Tar Heel State of North Carolina. Hey, Derek. My name's John, and I'm one of those repeat offenders. This story deals with the Mirrored Men and reflects back to the special you had several seasons ago based on the Mirrored Men. My event takes place just outside of Troutman, North Carolina on Interstate 77 and 
to preface this, I want to say that the one lady that I heard on this Mirrored Men special, we have something in common, so I want her to know that she's not crazy. But here is the story. Back in 2000, uh, this event occurred that I had chalked up to just being phenomenally tired due to the fact that I was working long hours, going home, coming back, working long hours, that sort of thing. But as I got to just shy of exit 42 in Troutman, North Carolina, it's an area where there's nothing but, you know, farming and fields and that sort of thing, no houses really. I'm looking up and the weird thing is, is my missing time occurred beforehand. But I look up out of the, the windshield of my car, it's probably between 11.30 and 12 o'clock at night. And walking across the highway, I see three men all walking in step across the highway. But the weird thing is, they're all wearing monk robes, much like the lady that I heard on your special of the mirrored men. And when I heard this, my jaw hit the floor, basically. So I just want you to know that this lady and I saw the same thing. Don't know if it's mirrored men, but it's certainly odd. But listen, love the podcast. Love what you do. Keep doing it, man. We love it. All right. Thank you for your time. Bye. Thanks, John. Now, that mirrored men special that he referred to is season seven, episode 15, if you're curious. And as for John's entry, many of the telltale signs are there a rural setting, three men, strange dress moving in unison. And he even mentioned an episode of Missing Time. So just when you thought the mirrored men calls have stopped, we're sucked right back in. So thanks again, John, for sharing that experience. Now unless you're brand new to the show, you've already heard me talk about microdosing. Now all sorts of people, myself included, have discovered that microdosing helps find the sweet spot between CBD and THC that gives you the benefits of both. A mood lift, pain relief, a creative boost, and a greater sense of calm. Now tonight's show is sponsored by Microdose Gummies by Lumi Labs. Microdose Gummies deliver the perfect entry-level doses of THC and CBD for people who want to feel just that right amount of good without getting quote-unquote high. You heard me right. I said THC. But before you tense up, keep in mind that microdose gummies are completely legal everywhere in the United States. And while these gummies contain cannabinoids, remember, I'm not talking about getting high. I'm talking about entry-level doses to help you wind down at the end of a long day, reduce that anxiety, and sleep like a baby. Microdose is available nationwide. To learn more about microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use code MONSTERSAMONGUS to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Links can be found in the show notes, but again, that's microdose.com and the code MONSTERSAMONGUS. Now, as always, supporting our sponsors supports the show, so thank you for listening. Now back to that sound in your attic. So given the fact that we're in the thick of spooky season... I feel it's necessary to squeeze in an extra ghost story or two into this episode. And here, with a pretty good one, is our anonymous caller from that state up north. Hi, Derek. I would like to remain anonymous on this one, but I am calling from the Detroit area, and I just have something kind of strange that happened to me just last night. I was asleep, and we live in a house that was built in the 80s, and it was built by the previous owner, so there's, you know, nothing terrible happened there that we know of. We've never had any sort of experience whatsoever, but last night we have two dogs and three cats, and my husband had fallen asleep in my son's room with him, and my daughter was in her room, and I was in our bedroom, and I had one of the dogs in there with me, and I woke up. It was 2.52 a.m. I remember looking at my clock, 2.52 a.m., and my dog was ferociously growling. And 
that has never happened. She's usually pretty quiet. And I kind of zoned myself in, like, okay, what's, what's she growling at? And there was a man standing in my doorway of my bedroom. You know, we sleep with all the doors open because our, our children are small. And there was a man, and he wasn't very tall. My husband is, so I knew it wasn't my husband. My husband's six six, so he's a very distinguishable height. This man, I could very clearly see that it was a man. He was dark. There was no face. There was no features I could make out other than this entity looked like they were built like a man. Like there was no like long hair, had like broader shoulders. So I assumed that it was a man and my dog is growling ferociously. And I don't know that that's not even the weirdest part because the weirdest part is it, it was overwhelming this sense of dread. Like I just felt sad and awful and terrible and just any negative feeling you could describe, I felt, and I wanted to break down and cry. I wanted to just bury my head, and I kind of just shook my head, and what the hell is going on is what I'm thinking, and next thing I know, he's gone, and the dog is looking at me just as confused as I am, and yeah, that was it. I, I woke up, and I kind of tried wrapping my head around it because I, I, I went back to sleep, kind of not not realizing I had fallen back asleep so quickly. And I woke up and I, I felt off, but, you know, I, I made it through my day. And I, I don't know, I, I don't have anywhere else to share this where people would understand, but hope you can use this in your show. I, I love your show. I listen to it every week. And, yeah, I hope this is something you can use and, uh, you know, be safe out there to everyone. All right, bye. You know, if it weren't for the dog reacting, I'd simply chalk this experience up to some sort of sleep paralysis. But unless there is some sort of psychic connection between the collar and the pup, I'm not so sure that's the case. But whatever it is, we appreciate you sharing it with us, caller. So thank you again for calling in. Well, folks, you sort of wiped out the shop in the past week or two. Looking into the stock room, I still see some stacks of shirts in there. But most of those new Halloween shirts are sadly gone. But I have a little good news and a little bad news. The good news is that we are reordering. The bad news, however, is that they won't be here before Halloween. But hey, this badass design by talented artist Easton Hawk is cool enough to wear year-round. So in my opinion... It's worth the wait. So if you're still wanting one, stand by and I'll get you the info as soon as I have it. For all other items, visit monstersamonguspodcast.com forward slash shop. And we certainly appreciate all the patronage. Now before we dive into tonight's final entry, or one of them at least, let's sneak in one more weird one. This time from J.C., in Big Sky Country. Hey, Derek. This is JC. I'm calling you from Montana. And quick story for you. This is something that took place last year in the summertime. I was with two friends, and we were driving from Montana to Moscow, Idaho, which, when you look on a, on a map, it looks like Moscow. Please don't say that around the locals. It's, it's certainly Moscow, and they will correct you on it. So anyway, we're driving from Montana to Moscow, Idaho, and the way we chose to drive took us over what's called Lolo Pass and down through the Locksaw Wilderness. Anyone who's been through there knows it's a long road. It's it's very heavily wooded. It's extremely remote. I mean, it's, it's one of the squatchiest places I've ever seen. There's actually quite a few stories in Bigfoot encounters that have come out of the Locksaw area. So at any rate, you're several hours winding through the woods, coming down over that pass into Idaho. So at any rate, we were driving, and we got a late start. So it was well after dark. It was probably 11 o'clock at night, as memory serves. And there are no towns. I mean, there's no houses for the longest time. You're just woods, 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 woods. Well, at one point in the drive, 
the road eventually leveled out for a little while. It wasn't as twisty and bendy. We weren't into civilization yet, but um, we could tell that things were starting to uh, level out. At any rate, after miles and miles of woods, as things are leveling out, there's a field on the right-hand side. And it's probably a, you know, a football field-sized field. And as we're driving up to it, we immediately see something that catches our attention. There is a truck parked in the middle of this field. And again, there are no homes around. This truck is parked in the middle of the field. And if you remember the old movie Twister, uh, you know, they have these tornado chasing trucks that are all rigged out with like weather gear and stuff. There's a truck parked in the middle of the field and it looks like that. It, it's the, the bed of the truck is all decked out with some kind of equipment. I, I'm not entirely sure what it was and we can see a couple people milling around the truck. Well, from this equipment in the back of the truck, there is a beam of light shooting straight up into the sky. And I don't mean like kind of a foggy spotlight. I mean, it's like a beam of light. I mean, it's huge. The edges of it are very well defined and it is shooting way up into the night sky straight out of the back of this truck. And that was so odd to us. We actually, we pulled over just to watch this for a second and they're only, I don't know, 80 yards from us. I mean, they're just off the highway. And we pulled over to actually see what they were doing. When we pulled over and stopped the truck, we saw the people standing around start to scramble. They quickly got in their truck, they turned off the light, and they peeled out of there. They pulled out onto the highway going the other direction, but not until we stopped to notice them. So anyway, there's definitely some high strangeness in Montana and Idaho. That was one story. Maybe I'll call back with others sometime, but if anyone knows what's going on, please share. Love the show. Keep it up. See ya. Well, that was certainly weird. Thank you, JC, for spreading the word. You know, my first thought was simply some astronomy nerds out scoping the stars and maybe doing so somewhere where they shouldn't have been, which is why they took off the way they did. But that's a logical explanation. And where's the fun in that? So for the sake of argument... And for the sake of spooky season, let's just say, whoever they were, they were probably up to no good. And thanks again, JC, for calling in with that strange entry. Okay, folks, here's that final call I warned you about. And this one is sure to scare the hell out of anyone that finds themselves unlucky enough to be driving down a darkened stretch of country highway. I'm from Alabama. Been listening to your podcast for about a year and a half now. I work long nights on the railroad. I get called in, so it's it's perfect to listen to on those late nights. Uh, what I was calling about was, I guess it was the summer of 2010, maybe 2011. A friend and I had went to GameStop. It was during the times when video games were king in our lives, and we went there for a midnight release, so I guess we picked up the game somewhere around 12 o'clock, a little after. GameStop's about 20 minutes from my house in Atala, Alabama. My family owns 180 acres. It's on a road called Ponderosa Road. So we leave from GameStop, we're headed home, you know, we got a night planned of just playing the game, so we're pumped up. So you go through a uh, holler, which is a hollow, cross a bridge, windy road, but you're ascending upwards to get to our house. We're all on top of that mountain, as we call it. So there's dip in the road, a single lane road, I'd say it's probably 10 feet wide. Well, as we're coming up the hill, I don't have my brights on. I mean, I could drive that road in the dark. I've done it before when my headlights went out. But I didn't have my brights on. I'm just making my way to the house. And we go down a dip in the road. And as we go up the next hill, I notice something in the middle of the road. I just see something white, almost like a like as wide as uh, you would expect a human's about as wide as a human is the only way I know to explain it so I hit my brights and my light illuminates it and it was a human form 
but it happened so quickly. I don't know any other way to explain it than it was way taller than a human should be. My uncle played professional baseball and he's like almost seven foot tall. So is my dad. They're big, wide guys. And this thing would have made them, you know, look small. So I, I, I couldn't even see shoulders. It was just like the bottom part of something white and human-like. But the crazy thing was when we saw it, as soon as I hit the brights, it all happened so quickly. I can't tell if it had wings and threw its wings out that were larger than 10 feet how wide the road is, larger than the road is anyways, or it literally stretched its body out. I know that sounds crazy, but almost like it was putty. That's what it was more like than wings. And the thing was, if it was wings, any kind of bird, birds fly out when they fly off. And this thing didn't, it just like got extremely wide and then skinny again and shot straight up into the air. And I looked at my friend and asked him, you know, hey man, did you did you see that? And I knew he saw it. I just wanted to make sure I wasn't crazy. And he said, yeah, I, I, I saw it. And uh, we just didn't know what to do. I mean, it was close to my driveway, so we just pull into the house and I asked him, I was like, man, what was that? He said, you know, I don't, I don't have a clue and neither did I. So it was just really odd. We got to the house, made sure we locked the doors and pulled the curtains on the windows. I still don't know to this day what it could have been. I think about it from time to time, especially out working late on the railroad like I am tonight. You know, those things just cross your mind. But a clear night, I mean, no fog, warm summer night. I don't, I don't understand. And, you know, I've brought it up to the guy that was with me since then, and he still says, I don't really know, and I don't like to talk about it. I didn't really feel scared. I just, it happened so fast. I didn't know what it was. I mean, still don't know what it is. I just, I don't know if I'll ever know. I was just wondering if, you know, maybe anyone else had experienced anything like that. I know that's vague, but that's just how it happened. And it happened really fast. But I know we don't have any kind of bird in Alabama that, I mean, the closest that we have is our ospreys, some of the biggest birds, and yeah, some eagles, but some bald eagles. That there's none in that area. I mean, we don't live near a lake, and that's mostly where they stay. And I know what they look like. I'm a duck hunter. I've seen them around. I just, I really don't know what that thing was. And that's the part that messes with me the most. So, I appreciate the podcast and keep up the good work. Thanks. Yikes. That's not the kind of thing you want to run into while barreling down a rural roadway. In Alabama, or any state for that matter. Now I'll go ahead and ask the question that I assume many of you are already thinking. What the hell was that? Well, you see, I have a few opinions. So excluding the obvious logical explanations, you know, misidentification, joint hallucination, a prank... I'll instead focus on the multiple paranormal explanations, beginning with a legend found only in the Yellowhammer State, the Alabama White Thang. Descriptions of the Alabama White Thang vary. Several accounts describe it as being between 7 and 8 feet in height and covered in thick white hair with glowing red eyes. Some say that it has no eyes at all, it's as if this cryptid is a type of ape or ape-man from another world. The creature's howls are said to sound like a woman screaming. A foul odour, like that of a dead animal, permeates the area when the creature is close by. Despite its size, the Alabama White Thang can move extremely quickly, able to run at terrifyingly high speeds. Some have reported that even though it walks on two legs, it runs on all fours. Sightings of the Alabama White Thang go back to the 1940s, 
The majority of sightings have occurred in Jefferson, Morgan and Etowah counties, usually in caves or drainage ditches in an area called Jones Valley. Now that informative clip comes to us from YouTube's Cryptid Central. And for the most part, our caller's description and the one given in Cryptid Central's video are very similar. And I did look it up. Atala, Alabama is actually in Etowah County, which was one of the three counties listed in the video, meaning that this encounter took place in what many in the area refer to as White Thang territory. But perhaps you caught the two glaring differences in the two pieces of audio. That's right. In our caller story, the creature had wings. And I could not find a single report of the white thing that included that feature. So next, I worked my way through the winged cryptids. Mothman, Batsquatch, the Jersey Devil. And sure, I suppose each of those somewhat fits the bill. But each of those legendary beasts have a region that they're said to inhabit. And as far as I know, Bama ain't one of them. That's when I started thinking about these pale crawlers. And I think I said it right this time. In the past, I've accidentally referred to them as pale walkers. Which I think might be a Game of Thrones thing. But essentially, these creatures have been reported just about everywhere east of the Mississippi. They're tall, gaunt pale, humanoid creatures that only move about at night, often witnessed from a distance, and believed to be at least semi-subterranean, spending at least the daylight hours in caves and underground caverns. I've often referred to the Richard Grebenak video out of the state of Ohio that reportedly shows one of these creatures approach his home. And we've also heard at least a half a dozen other entries of that creature here on this program. But like the white thing, the pale crawler has also, thus far, been reported as wingless, which makes it an unlikely match, in my opinion. Then of course there are angels, aliens, and an assortment of other otherworldly offenders. But I'm not convinced. So I hunkered down and did some research. And lo and behold, the state of Alabama is crawling with odd humanoid sightings. Near Gulf Shores, Alabama, two sisters were chased on their skateboards by a pale, tall, humanoid creature. A Pelham man was lured into a patch of trees by a tall, skinny, white entity when it called out to him for help in a woman's voice. A car full of teens driving late at night near Bay Manette, Alabama, reported seeing a human-like creature cross the road on all fours. And a woman driving in Cottondale, Alabama, reported a large winged creature, much too large to be a bird, swooping down at her vehicle. Not once, but twice. And finally, in Tuscaloosa, on the University of Alabama campus, dozens reported a tall, slender man with wings flying above the campus at 2 a.m. But unlike our caller's claims, this entity was reported to be black or dark in color, with red, glowing eyes. Now each of those reports came to us from Lon Strickler and his enormous collection of encounters over at phantomsandmonsters.com, and I've linked to each of these in the show notes. Feel free to peruse and dig into further details. Now if I'm truthful, I'm a little bit embarrassed that I couldn't find another encounter that matched up with our callers, at least one from the state of Alabama. But what we did learn is that this state is a treasure trove for these sorts of stories. And we thank you, caller, for contributing to that list. And be sure to give us a ring if you've seen something similar. 1-888-608-NIGHT just maybe we can shed some light on what he saw that evening. And that's going to do it for this episode. Monsters Among Us is written and produced by me, Derek Hayes. Additional support is provided by Sarah Carter Hayes and Eddie Lloyd. All media used in this production is done so under the protection of fair use. And if you have a free few minutes, please take the time to rate and review the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever that sort of thing is possible. 
Five stars and a few kind words go a long, long way to help the show grow. And while you're at it, please visit and like us over at YouTube. We could sure use the support. And lastly this evening, the terrifying score that you heard was provided by Iron Cthulhu Apocalypse, Co.ag Music, and Carl Casey at White Bat Audio. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time. So you know how I like to slip something super weird into this bonus entry slot. Well, just wait until you get a feel for what Ilana out of New Hampshire has to offer up. My name's Lorena. I'm in New Hampshire. I have two sightings, if you will. One happened three days ago on the 2nd of June, and I'm almost to work. It's about 5.45, and I swear out of the road to miss an animal, and as I looked to see what animal I missed, it looked to be a reddish-brown armadillo. Mind you, New Hampshire, no armadillos. And my fiancé goes, what was that? I'm like, an animal was in the road. He left it at that, and then I'm like, kind of looks like an armadillo. He goes, we don't have armadillos. I'm like, well, it ain't a possum. And then left it at that. And then this morning, about 6.30, I'm on my way to work for overtime. And I swerved to miss an animal. I'm like, oh, it's a turtle. And then I'm realizing as I'm looking in my rearview mirror, I'm like, turtles don't stand that tall. It's a tortoise. Mind you, no tortoises in New Hampshire. So I don't know what I'm seeing. But then as I'm sitting at work cleaning my stamps, I realize that was too tall to be a tortoise. So I don't know if I'm seeing prehistoric animals or... I don't know. It's just weird. Hopefully this can be shed light on and we'll see what happens, I guess. Hopefully I don't have any more sightings on that road on the way to work. So love the podcast. Keep it up. And we'll see if I have more sightings. Bye. She's right. There's almost nothing living in or near New Hampshire that fits that description. The details do, however, remind me of a creature that did once exist. The turtle-like Glyptodon. Glyptodon was a genus of large, heavily armored mammals of the subfamily Glyptodontinae, relatives of armadillos, that lived during the Pleistocene epoch. It was roughly the same size and weight as a Volkswagen Beetle. With its rounded, bony shell and squat limbs, it superficially resembled a turtle. Glyptodon measured 3.3 meters in length, 1.5 meters in height, and weighed up to 2 tons. Now that clip courtesy of Animals Descriptions over at YouTube. And although the Glyptodon does sound like a perfect match to what Alana saw, there are two glaring problems. For starters, the creature went extinct some 12,000 years ago. And even if it were still alive, it would live nowhere near present-day New Hampshire. Instead, it adopted a similar range to modern-day armadillos. So while it might be fun to imagine, it's not a likely match. However, there is one creature that can be found in abundance in the state of New Hampshire that just might fit this description. A North American beaver walking on land sort of fits the description that Ilana gave. And yes, I admit, it's not all that exciting but it certainly makes a lot more sense than a 12,000-year-old hairy turtle. So thank you again, Alana, for sharing the call. And thank you guys for sticking around to the end of the episode. Because if you're not a Beyonder, I have to ask that you exit the way you came in. Unless, of course, you'd like to join us for the low, low price of just five monthly dollars. Once you do, you can get access to this upcoming bonus content and some 50 more hours all ad-free 
and all by visiting patreon.com forward slash monsters among us podcast and joining up to that $5 level. Now keep in mind, a simple pledge of $1 a month will also get you access to all of the main programming completely ad free. So there are options there. Again, that's patreon.com forward slash monsters among us podcast. Now then, buckle up folks, because it can get bumpy going beyond. And you know it can get freaky too. Just ask this anonymous caller from the state of California. Hello Derek, calling to see if my story's worth playing on the show. This was about 2016 and I was working for a company doing fire inspections. On a summer night, Douglas Wagg Jr. lay motionless across a strip of railroad tracks before being struck by an oncoming train. I'm investigative journalist Delia D'Ambra, and my investigation into exactly how Doug died took me into the depths of a bizarre mystery. It was really hard to understand what was fact and what wasn't. A mystery that has led me from one suspicious death to another. Listen to CounterClock now, wherever you listen to podcasts.